0: We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew tonight. Um, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and specifically we're going to be reading verses 5 through 13. Um, And so we'll go ahead and and turn there now, and uh, we'll read it together. Um, This is the word of the Lord. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you once again, Lord God, excited to see, Lord, what you have to uh, to show us, excited to hear Father um, your your word, God, we uh, come to you uh, boldly because of the blood of Jesus, and we want to hear uh, our father 's heart, and so we ask God as we uh, enter into this time of studying your word, that you would uh, that you would bless it, Father, that you would uh, open our minds and open our hearts to receive. Uh, what you uh, what you have for us, Father, I pray that if you have a word of correction, Lord, I pray that you would uh, that you would correct us and that you would make us humble enough to receive that, Father, if you have a word of encouragement, I pray that you would be the lifter of our heads, Lord, I am so amazed by your word at how. It can, it can speak to us no matter where we are. Whether we, our hearts are hard and, and unwilling to listen, you can break through that. Or if our hearts are soft and, and, and broken, Lord, you can, you can bind our hearts up and you can encourage us. Father, we are so grateful that you speak to us through your word. And uh, as we turn to your word now, we just ask that you would bless it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing in our series that we've called Tools of Change. Um, And so, so far, we talked about the gospel the first week, and then we talked about the Bible last week. Um, But the the main theme of this series is we're asking the question, what are the ordinary tools that God uses to change us? What are the ordinary tools? Uh, means that God uses to make us more and more like Jesus. Because uh, being a Christian is not all about um, just doing good things, right? Being a Christian is about being uh, reshaped, remade into the image of Christ. You see, we as human beings are... Broken by sin and, and fallen, and so we need uh, the power of God uh, to uh, come into our lives and to change us, to reshape us, to um, to make us more like Christ. And so, what God does is He has some ordinary things that that He uses uh, to accomplish extraordinary purposes, and so. For the purposes of this series, we're just going to talk about five of them, which we've already talked about two, which is the gospel, the Bible. Tonight, we're going to talk about prayer, and then next week, we will talk about the church or community, and then the last week, we will talk about the ordinances or the sacraments. Um, You guys will probably know them as um, communion and baptism, so we're going to talk about that a couple weeks from now. But tonight, we are turning our attention to the, the tool of prayer. And as I was, I was thinking about this, um, and as we, as we study this passage, we don't see this in this particular passage, but in one of the, the parallel passages, I, I can't remember if it's Luke or Mark, I believe it's Luke, but the disciples, they approach Jesus and they say, they say teach us how to pray, and then Jesus launches into this exact same uh, or very similar uh, conversation that he that we just read here. Um, but this conversation, this this teaching on on how to pray, is a response to the disciples' question uh, or to their um, inquiry. They're wondering how how do we pray, which is interesting in and of itself because. These people grew up in a Jewish community, right? They weren't unfamiliar with how to pray. But when they came into contact with Jesus, they realized that they knew they didn't know how to pray. And so they, they came to Jesus and they asked him to teach them how to pray. And so this, this passage is essentially, it's a, a pattern for our prayers, um, which is kind of one of the main themes, but we're, we're giving it the emphasis uh, for tonight, and this is kind of the main theme that we're going to be talking about, is that Jesus' pattern for prayer changes our perspective. Jesus' pattern for prayer changes our perspective. And as we're thinking about these, this idea of, of patterns, if you were at the, uh, the winter retreat, you heard me talk about this, but I'm not a, uh, a great artist by any means. Um, I've never been good at drawing or anything like that. However, when I was a kid, I used to love trace paper. Did you guys ever use that where you would put it over something, no, right? Sure. And then you're like, you're tracing, you know, uh, like a cat or something like that or a bird and you get done with it and you pull it off and you're like, wow, man, I'm amazing. And <laughs> and obviously you, you had this, this guide, right? That, that helped you create this, this image and and that's a little bit like what this passage is for us as we are um, studying this, this prayer that Jesus teaches the disciples. He's, he's kind of teaching them how to, tra- he's kind of teaching them to trace his prayers. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily saying, say these uh, the exact same way and only these words, right? Because he actually says, uh, don't, if you look at verse Um, verse 7, he says, uh, speaking about the Gentiles, uh, he actually kind of says, don't repeat the same things over and over again like the Gentiles do, right? And so Jesus is not saying that this is the only prayer that you must pray, but rather he's kind of providing for us some general themes or some general ideas that we should incorporate into our prayers, And what's really cool about about this teaching and about this prayer is it actually, when we begin to think about the things that Jesus says in these verses that we just read, they actually begin to change our perspective on life itself, especially as a Christian. Um, And so as we're, we're Looking at this passage, we're going to ask the question, what does this passage teach us about how prayer changes our perspective? And what this passage teaches us is it teaches us three things. It teaches us first that we should be people who pray with sincerity. We should be people who pray with sincerity. The second thing that it teaches us is that we should be people who pray with right priorities Pray with right priorities, and we should be people who pray with dependency. So pray with sincerity, with right priorities, and with dependency. And even though these are in the context of prayer, these are characteristics that as we as we study them, they ought to be... Uh, Characteristics that are naturally part of our lives as Christians. We should be sincere people. We, because we have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into Jesus' kingdom, we should have different priorities than we had prior to coming to Christ. And we, because we know where we came from, the kingdom of darkness, and, and we saw how helpless we were and have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus and we recognize now we are still helpless apart from his Holy Spirit, apart from his grace, we should be people who are very, very dependent on God. But let's let's talk about this idea of, of sincerity, praying with sincerity. If you look at verse five, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, right? And then look at verse seven, he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now, what's interesting is he, he speaks about these two categories of people. He talks about the hypocrites who essentially, they, they go out into these public places and they pray so that other people will look at them and think, wow, they're really, they're really righteous. Those people are really something, okay? So that's the first group, okay? And then he talks about this other group where he says, and don't be like this other group who they say all of these, these vain repetitions. You've probably, um, probably actually, and how many of you guys have ever heard the story of Elijah on Mount, on, is it Mount Car- Carmel? Mm-hmm. With, with the prophets of Baal, where you, you see these, these prophets where they're continually saying the same thing over and over again, trying to get Baal's attention. And then Elijah's like, maybe Baal went on vacation, or maybe Baal's in the bathroom right now. Uh, <laughs> um, he's indisposed at this particular moment, right? Uh, you, what you see is that those pagan prophets, those, those people that were not uh, worshipers of Yahweh, they were continually saying these vain, repetitious things. And so Jesus, he is, he's speaking to these two groups of people. The first is a group of people that wants the attention of people. They want the attention and the praise of man. And then and they are seeking that by going out into public places and praying and trying to, uh, as Jesus says in another place, uh, display their righteousness before man. And then Jesus is speaking to another group of people who essentially think that they can get God's um, get God's attention by saying the same things over and over again. It's actually interesting that that phrase... Uh, vain, um, what is it, empty phrases. Uh, It's the Greek word bata logeo. And uh, in that, so in our particular day, when you want to say that someone's like, you know, not making sense, you would say something like blah, 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 right? So in this particular day, they would actually say something, a shortened version of this. They would say bata, 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 and so that's kind of their version of blah, 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 essentially. Um, and so the, the point that, that Jesus is making is he's saying, don't, don't just say words to say words, but just be sincere. Don't uh, try and get God's attention because if you look at verse 8, for your father knows what you need before you ask him, and so this is the this is the point. Um, we don't need to get the attention of others. Okay, we don't need to get the attention of others. And you, as a Christian, you already have the attention of your father. So don't go seeking the attention of man, because you already have the attention. Of your heavenly father, who loves you more than any human being could ever possibly love you. I think about this idea of trying to get attention in the wrong way. Um, our dog Chico will, he jumps up literally anytime I come in the door. He will jump up on me, and like he'll actually, when I come in the room, he'll jump up on the bed, and then I'll come close to the bed, and he'll jump up and put his arms like, on my shoulders like this, and he'll, like, you know, sniff and lick and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's cute, right? But he's not, like, it's not exactly a good habit for him to, to be jumping on people, right? But he, he's trying to get attention, but in a bad way. And in a similar way, a lot of times we are trying to get attention from people. We're trying to dress a certain way, to get attention, we're trying to say certain things so that we can get attention from maybe friends or other people that we think are cool. But in reality, their attention will always fall short of what our hearts truly need. And we as Christians, what our hearts truly need and what every single person on the planet needs is the attention and love of the Heavenly Father. The attention and love of God is what we truly need. And so Jesus, what he's saying to these disciples is he's saying, don't pray in front, of pe- in front of people so that you can get attention and remember that you already have your father's attention. Just like we sang in that song, we can boldly come before the throne. We can boldly come into God's presence because of Christ." Because he died for our sins and because he rose again. And see, that's the wonderful thing about the gospel. Because the gospel frees us from our enslavement to the praise of men, and the gospel frees us from our fear that God won't listen to our sinful mouths. It frees us from being enslaved. To the praise of men, and the gospel reassures us that our Father, not only does He hear us, but He knows what we need and He will take care of us. And so we are to be people who pray with sincerity. We just come to God with confidence and sincerity, and we say, God, this is what we need. This is what I need. The gospel allows us to pray with confidence and sincerity. So the second thing is that we pray with right priorities, or we become people who have the right priorities. Look with me at verse 9, where he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's interesting is that actually all three of those phrases in the original language there are actually... Uh, It's so constructed that we could actually read it this way. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we should note here is that Jesus teaches us at the beginning of this prayer to have God's priorities In mind. Now, in the rest of the prayer, he does actually teach us to come to God and tell Him the things that we need, but first, he he teaches us to have the correct priorities, that we should desire that God's name would be honored on earth as it is in heaven, that we should desire that God's kingdom would continue to grow and, and cover the earth. And that, it would, that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And we should desire that his will would be done on earth in the same way that it is done in heaven. And so Jesus is teaching the disciples that they need to have the right priorities, not only in their prayers, but in life. And the reality is, is that you guys and and all of us that are sitting in this room, life is literally just a series of, of different priorities that are all trying to get a little piece of our time. We're constantly trying to evaluate what is important, what's less important, what's not important. We're constantly doing this, we're constantly trying to figure out what are the right priorities to have. You know, should you uh, continue to binge watch a TV show instead of doing your homework, right? Should you, uh, you know, continue to, should you sleep in or should you get up early and do your quiet time or, um, you know, or maybe some chores that your parents have asked you to do that you've neglected to do? I don't know. But the point is this, is that in life, we are constantly trying to figure out what are the right priorities to have. And so what Jesus is doing is is he's teaching the disciples and us, by extension, who are now reading his word, he's saying, these things come first. The glory of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God, these things come. Are the priority for us as followers of Jesus, and so this question, as we that I that I have and and and, and I ask it of myself, what do your prayers reveal about your priorities in life? Do your prayers reveal uh, that you are primarily concerned with yourself, or do they reveal that you are that you are first and foremost, concerned with God, his glory, his kingdom, and God's will. And closely related to that, do your choices, the things that you, that you choose and you make as higher priorities in your life, do those reflect the priorities that are mentioned in this passage? Do you prioritize things in your life in such a way that you show that you desire that God would be glorified? Do you prioritize things in your life in such a way that you want to see the kingdom of God come and expand and and be like the kingdom in heaven? Do, Do your choices, the things that you choose to prioritize in your life, do they reflect that that is something that is important to you? Because the reality is, is what we make a priority reveals something about the condition of our heart. Something about the, about us. About what we are truly treasuring. What we are truly saying, this is the most important thing in my life. And once again, the gospel frees us up to have the right priorities. The gospel uh, rescues us, as we said, from the kingdom of darkness, from being enslaved to uh, going after our own agendas, and, and having priorities that are, that are uh, not good, right? The gospel, bless you, uh, the gospel frees us from that, and now, when, because the Holy Spirit has brought us into the kingdom of, of Jesus and has changed our hearts, He now has given us a desire to have new priorities, right? And so then we have to just take a moment as we read this passage, we have to ask, are these things uh, top priorities for us as followers of Jesus? The glory of God, the kingdom of God, and the will of God. And last, we pray with dependency. So we prayed with sincerity, with right priorities, and we pray with dependency. We are people who recognize our radical dependence on God. Look with me at verses 11, 12, and 13. He says, Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, Forgive us our debts. Verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so Jesus, by teaching his disciples to pray in this way, is revealing their dependency on, our, on the Heavenly Father to provide for them. And there's, there's categories here. There's the physical category, like food, and then there's the spiritual category, such as forgiveness and deliverance from evil see, Lindsay and I, as, as I was thinking about this idea of being dependent, Lindsay and I recently watched this movie called The Upside. Have you guys ever heard of this? So in the movie The Upside, um, it's about this guy who, so he's a quadriplegic, so he can't feel anything from the neck down, essentially. And so you guys know who Kevin Hart is? So Kevin Hart is this guy who has no experience being a caregiver whatsoever, um, but he 's actually like on probation and stuff, and so he just shows up uh, at this this job inter- this job interview just to kind of get a signature to prove that he 's actually looking for work. Um, it, but the guy actually likes his likes him thinks he 's funny or whatever, and hires him on the spot right and so Kevin Hart realizes how much work goes into caring for this guy because this guy literally cannot get out of his own bed so you know Kevin Hart's like picking him up and dropping him in the chair, and then he like forgets to he, like forgets to strap him in, and so he like starts falling out of the chair. It's it's actually a pretty funny movie, um, but in the relationship between Kevin Hart and the Brian Cranston is the guy who uh, who plays the quadriplegic. The relationship is really really cool in the movie, um, but that is the level of dependency that you and I have on God. Literally right now as I am speaking, God is granting me the ability to formulate words and sentences. And God could revoke that at any moment. Right now as you sit in your <coughs> chair, God is granting you the your body the ability to for your heart to beat, for your lungs to breathe. <coughs> All of these different things are are evidence that we are radically dependent on God. And not only that, if you believe the gospel, if you trust in Christ, you didn't even do that. It was the Holy Spirit who worked in your heart, opened your eyes to see that you had a need for Christ, that you needed forgiveness, and the result of that work of the Holy Spirit is you then believed the gospel so even that faith that you exercise was dependent on the work of God so we are incredibly dependent beings and the reality is is a lot of times we like to think that we're really independent that we're autonomous and we live we live like we are we often don't acknowledge our need for god we often go through the day uh just kind of doing things on our own without even talking to the lord without even praying and yet the bible says that in him we live and move and have our being so even our capacity to drive our cars to think to to uh to live in general depends on the sovereignty of god And so, my question for us as we're thinking about this is: is this your perspective of yourself? Do you see your radical dependence on God for everything in your life? Or do you live in such a way, do you think that you are independent of God? You see, what Jesus is teaching us here is that you and I, we have to make it a daily habit to admit that we need God, to admit that we need God to hold us up spiritually, emotionally, physically. Jesus is teaching us to see that we are dependent on God. So we've seen that what this passage teaches us is that, is that as Jesus is teaching these disciples to pray with sincerity, with right priorities, and with dependency, that this prayer actually, this, this pattern, it changes our perspective of, of ourselves. It changes our perspective of how we relate to other people. We are no longer... Uh, It's no longer necessary for us to seek the attention of other people because we have our Father's attention already. And all of this, all of this, this change in perspective is all only made possible because we have a Savior who lived a perfect life of sincerity and honesty because he knew that you and I would often be hypocritical and insincere. We have a Savior who lived perfectly with the right priorities because he knew that you and I would often not prioritize the right things. And we have a Savior who took on human flesh, took on uh, a human nature and humbled himself and, ex- and he experienced the dependency of what it means to be a human, even to the point of experiencing death. And Jesus, our Savior, did all of those things to rescue us from our sins and to make us more and more into the image of Christ. So, with that said, let's pray.